With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. How you doing, folks? This is the Jets All The Way podcast hosted by Elite Sports New York. I, of course, am Jeff Maglucetti. He's Robbie Sabo, taking you through the latest happenings of the New York Jets. And, of course, the Jets just completing their second preseason game last Thursday night. And it's a win. The Jets win the 22-10 win over the Atlanta Falcons in preseason action. A nice game from the Jets all around. And we're here to break down every facet of it. Rob, how you doing today? I'm good, and and I still can't get over mm. me pronouncing your name wrong, Maglio Ketty. I, I I don't know why. That's my go-to, Maglio Ketty. A cheddar cheese or something like that. Yeah, I, I can't. The Italian Ketty it sounds so. It rolls off my tongue, even though there's two C's and it, it's obvious. But no, I'm I, bad with pronouncing names. I get names wrong all the time, oh, and okay. I find it humorous. The comments. I can't believe you said that name like. It's the best. I love it. I love it when I mess up names. <laughs> well, we actually nice. messed up a, a few names on the podcast last uh, a couple weeks ago. We were talking about uh, Arthur uh, Mallet, I think his uh, name is, so on the Jets. So we apologize to him for that. Uh, is it pronounced Mallet? Yes, I believe so. Okay, that's good to know. I'll probably forget next week, but for <laughs> today, that's good to know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. So the Jets taking on the Atlanta Falcons on. Thursday, once again, a 22-10 to 10 victory. First team came in, looked stellar, looked, looked as stellar as they did last week, and then some against the New York Giants, and then came out and score again against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Rob, what really stood out to me, and I actually wrote about it on EliteSports.com earlier this week, in fact, the article was published today, was what really impressed me about the Jets' drive. I believe it went about seven plays for 66 yards, and what impressed me was... The emergence of Ty Montgomery, which I believe we touched a little bit on the show last week. Yeah, consider him a first teamer. Yes. He is a first team player in this offense. Adam Gase loves him. Mm-hmm. Um, and rightfully so. Yeah, and rightfully so. And, and, you know, whether it's 11 personnel, you know, he could sub in for Bell. And like I said it before, he's really the fourth receiver in the offense. Um, people are looking for that fourth receiver to emerge, Burnett. Uh, Bellamy, I guess, even though he's a special teamer, Dorch, Thompson. T- Montgomery could play slot. He could play outside. He did it when he first came into the league. So he is that starter, unofficial starter of the offense. You know, this is the thing that confuses me about Ty Montgomery. People were so quick to write him off last year. And let's face it, he had he did have a tough year. There was that whole incident against the L.A. Rams where, you know, he was told to take a knee in the end zone, and he didn't. He ended up fumbling, costing the Packers a win. That loss, sending their season to a tailspin, traded to Baltimore for a seventh rounder. We forget, I think, just how much of a dangerous player 
Ty Montgomery was. You know, he he wasn't the type of guy that would give you, you know, a thousand yards a year or anything, but he did lead the Packers in rushing one year, I believe during the uh, 2016 season. And, you know, he was just a guy who could do it all for you. He could, you know, he could run, he could catch, he could avoid defenders. And he would always be a nice, you know, late round fantasy pick, you know, someone in the 14th, 15th round, when your regular guys on a bye, you stick him in there, he'll get you 10 points or something like that. So I really think that, you know, Ty Montgomery is going to be the under the radar signing that really gets this Jets team going and really revolutionizes the offense because the Jets are an offensive squad that, you know, is desperate for offensive weaponry right now. Yes, they signed Le'Veon Bell, and good good on them. That's a fantastic addition by them. But they're still looking for a guy who can be a truly elite, you know, offensive guy, a guy who defenses truly prepare for and, you know, fear in a sense. And those were the type of types of things that people would say about Montgomery when he was stationed with the Packers joining them as a draft pick all those years ago. So, the Jets really might have find, found themselves a diamond in the rough in Ty Montgomery. They're paying him under a million dollars. I'm looking forward to see how he looks in what's going to be a de facto dress rehearsal on Saturday against the New Orleans Saints. And he'll probably get more time than than even usual this time this time around. Yeah, I mean, listen, he has vision. He has smarts. He's an excellent teammate. Yeah. He's going to play 15, 20 snaps a game of the 60. And, you know, Five to ten of those are going to be with Le'Veon Bell as a dual halfback set out of the pistol, out of the gun, with jet sweep concepts, with uh, read option concepts. The one thing he lacks is the most important facet of the game, Which and is- that is never missing games. Mm. In 2015, he only played six. 2016, he played 15. 2017, he only played eight. 2018, he played 13. So as long as he's healthy... You're right. He's dynamite. And he could do so much for this offense. He really can. He really can. And of course, staying healthy is going to be the issue for many guys throughout the Jets lineup. And that brings us to our next topic of discussion. Avery Williamson suffering an injury, torn ACL in the win on Thursday. He was injured when a teammate, I believe it was was, uh, one of the safeties, uh, one of the safeties in there. And, you know, he got his he got his knee uh, run into by this teammate in the in the secondary. So it's uh, Tavon Campbell. That was it. Tavon Campbell was the one who Tavon Campbell had a good good game. Otherwise, it was obviously inadvertent. So we're not blaming him for the injury at all. Football is just a dangerous sport, and this is what ha- this is what happens sometimes. So it becomes a next man up mentality. But before we get into that, Rob, how much does the loss of Avery Williamson affect this Jets defense? It, it's big, but the overreaction right now is too much. Um, this is football. This is football. And the overreaction is basically, is obviously stemming. It's so silly. If he got hurt on the first play of the game, Mm -hmm. there would be no reaction. Right. But because it happened in the second quarter with the second teamers and he played 30 snaps, that's where the overreaction comes from. Now, why was he in there? We haven't heard yet. Why? And what Gase is going to say today will be interesting. But my guess is this. He's the number two Mike behind C.J. Mosley. Right. That means radio in the helmet, controlling the defense. I think the only way to simulate that in Greg Williams' complex scheme is when Mosley's off the field. So that is my reasoning for why, my guess for why Gase played him so long with the second team. No, it's as good as strong an explanation as any in. 
what was interesting to me is that he was out there with the second teamers and I felt it was more of a case of, you know, they needed a bit of a defensive leader out there and who better to turn to than Williamson, who had a solid season last year, is one of the older members on this team uh, in his late 20s right now. So I was interested to see them use him as a leader a little bit and unfortunately led to these dire consequences. But those are really interesting points you make there, Rob. We see time and time again people complain about the NFL preseason and, you know, eventually it's going to get to a discussion of is this even worth having? And I think we're already there. We could be in a way. And what's interesting is that, you know, what you said, he gets her in the first play of the game, no one starts complaining. If he gets her in the next game at the same exact time, we were just under four minutes in the second quarter, no one says a word. So you're right. It is football. It's a dangerous sport. And, you know, we wish Avery the best in recovery. It's just really unfortunate to see happen this time of year and cost him the second season of what was be- what has been so far a hopeful tenure as a member of the New York Jets. Now, there are several guys who can really step up in his place right now. And two guys that really stood out to me on Thursday night were was a pair of Florida International alumni, Anthony Wint and James Burgess. Yeah, and James Burgess, uh, speaking of that radio signal, the number two mic yeah. in the offense, it's been James Burgess with the second team in training camp. Right. So it's interesting, you know, because Brandon Copeland and Frankie Louvu are playing a lot of second-level linebacker in the 4-3 um, when they're not on the edge. I thought they might have just kept three inside linebackers, Mosley, Williamson, Cashman. Uh-huh. But now with Williamson out – it's completely up for grabs. And Burgess, Cashman, Hewitt, Wint, it's uh, it's a death match, that's for sure. And what really imp- impressed me about Burgess on Thursday, he did a fantastic job. He was actually injured in the second quarter. He came back and went on to have a huge impact in the second half. And it's like we were discussing last week. You know, the second preseason game has taken on an even larger importance thanks to the elimination of the NFL's cut down to 75 players going right from 90 to 53 in either the last weekend of August, the first week of September. So I thought that was a great job by him, and he really proved his toughness out there. Both he and Wint have somewhat played themselves into larger roster spots right now, or at least really put themselves on the coach's radar. And two guys that I think also have a big opportunity in the departure of Avery Williamson are going to be uh, Frankie Louvu is one, not the not one of the two I was thinking of. But we talked a lot about him last week, and the other two, the, the other two I want I felt can really step up right now are Blake Cashman and Neville Hewitt who really rose to the occasion last season when he had to step in for some injuries in the linebacker. Those are two guys I'm really going to keep, be keeping an eye on the rest of the summer. Think about it like this. Copeland and Luvu, yes. they're, really, they're really edge players. Mm. But they're playing in the 4-3 when they need three second-level linebackers to play in the will. Yeah, They're getting rotating in, in at the will with Cashman. When they go to the sub-package and it's just two linebackers, two inside linebackers, I don't know if Copeland or Luvu are going to be in the mix because they really need them at the edge to to blow uh, Jenkins and Henry Anderson mm-hmm. and Polite, who's still not with the first team. Um, Cashman. It, I, I forget who it was, but they said Cashman is the bona fide number two inside linebacker right now. Right. It's not true. It's not true. He's getting mixed in in the sub package, oh, really? but the opportunity for him is there. It's and it is for it is his to take. That there's no doubt about it. 
you know, it's like you said, it's going to really open up some new wrinkles on this Jets roster right now in terms of not just how many uh, linebackers are going to keep now, but how many linemen they'll keep as well. I thought the offensive linemen did a great job during their their during their first drive. They did a solid job. I think Tom Compton had himself a solid game on the line there. Uh, trying to think who else was on there and had a, a decent game. Alex, yeah, they Alex Lewis, Harrison, and Compton in the middle. Yeah, they, they did a great job. They were solid. Uh, now, the first drive was tremendous on the ground, mm-hmm. but the second and third drive, they, they still ran the ball decent, if I remember correctly, but the pass protection was not good. Pass protection was not good. Darnold was forced into a lot of short passes. I think Darnold's final, Sam Darnold's final line of five for seven for 46 yards, so that's under 10 yards of, comple- of completion. I think that's, I thought that was misleading because Sam had a decent grip on the game. He was running for his life on the second and third drive. So I do think I was surprised they played him for three drives, considering the Jets offensive line remains a work in progress right now. You don't want any disasters to happen. So I was a little surprised he lasted three drives into the second quarter on Thursday night. But I do think that this was a good step in the right direction for the Jets offensive line. Yeah, I was surprised too. I thought he was going to be out after the first drive. Yes, yeah, he wasn't. And uh, not shocking to me, but kind of funny that the three interior linemen, the backups, I thought played better than the two starters oh, on the yeah. side. Um, did Shell and Beecham both play? They did, right? Uh, Beecham played for sure. I know that. I don't know about Shell. I can't remember. But, yeah, I thought the interior played well, than, played better than the outside. Yes, I thought. Yes, definitely. And you saw it once again with the results of Ty Montgomery. He, of course, having seven carries for 36 yards and the Jets first touchdown of the evening. Now, here's an interesting fact. Darnold and Montgomery were somehow responsible for all 66 yards on that Jets drive combined. So good job by them and definitely a relationship we look forward to fostering in the near future. Now, one thing that I really thought stood out to me on Thursday was the pressure that Greg Greg Williams put on. And enough has been said about the Jets' lack of depth in the secondary. We really saw that on display in the second quarter. And it's going to be an issue until some of these guys like Tremaine Johnson get healthy. So I'm interested to see if this strong pressure can, you know, kind of not offset in a way, but mask problems with depth in the secondary, because there's been some, there there was some good performances in the pressure on Thursday night, like Henry Anderson. He got in there. Jamal Adams had a nice sack as a matter of fact. And I believe that, I believe they got to Falcons quarterbacks five times for sacks. And then they rushed the third guy, Matt Sims, for a couple times. Uh, he forced him into a fumble and an interception. The interception was returned for a touchdown by Burgess, and the latter set up a a possession deep in the territory. So I'm pleased to see that Williams really upped the pressure on Thursday night. And if he's if he's willing to continue that, it could be a way to mask the problems the Jets have in their secondary depth right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um... I don't know. No one has answers, to be honest. It, it's, it comes down to the pass rush. If they could generate a four-man conventional pass rush, they could hide the secondary problems. If they can't, they won't be able to. Uh, Jamal Adams, you know, I heard someone, I forget who it was again, maybe Joe Benigno, WFAN, said, yeah. you know, Jamal, he's going to have to use Jamal in the back end a lot more <laughs> than he wants to, uh, you know, near the line. I wouldn't do that. You know, Jamal, you got to use Jamal everywhere, no matter what. You're right. You're right. And May, May's presence is going to be huge. 
Yes, I think so. And uh, he was recently activated off the pup list. So definitely a step in the right direction moving forward there. Now, what I think is the Jets, you know, most pressing need right now. And of course, I'm a special teamer. The kicking. Wouldn't you yep. say? I mean, that's that's a move. That's a move that needs to be filled immediately. Like some of these guys in the secondary, you know, could step up. But at some point, you need to address this, just this issue because this is looking bad. This is this is not a good sign. T- Taylor Bertolet, he missed two extra points on on uh, Thursday night. He did make a 49-yarder earlier or later in the game. I believe that was in about the uh, early stages of the fourth. But they need to get this done. So if I'm the Jets right now, I'm really taking a look at any possible available kicker spots open. Yeah, and that, and, like that, three, three and, and that field goal just tucked in. Yeah, it did. Side. Um, you know, I feel bad for the kid. Two two extra points. That's brutal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I keep Blair Walsh. The name Blair Walsh keeps sticking in my head. I don't know why um, guys resurrect their careers at times in the most unusual ways. Look at Nick Folk. Look at Nick Folk. So, yeah, they're going to have to figure something out ASAP. Yeah, they really need to get something done there. And moving in this week, the Jets are starting to solidify some of the spots where they've lost the injuries. They signed uh, Albert McClellan, a free agent yesterday. They brought in uh, Marcus Cooper the other day. He was, uh, I don't believe he played the other day. He's a uh, veteran that they could work work with in the secondary. So, look, give Joe Douglas credit. He really is making the waiver wire his friend at this point. He's bringing guys in, and he's making sure they compete for spots on the team. So I don't think you could say a word about how how Joe Douglas has worked this team so far. So eager to see what he has in store in the future. Now, Jets moving in to play the New Orleans Saints on Saturday night. Going to be a real interesting game, considering this is usually considered the de facto dress rehearsal for most teams. The, games, the preseason game where starters play deepest into the game so what are you expecting to see this week what position groups will you be watching this week rob uh the corners Mm. the corners and ryan khalil's uh insertion yes i really hope ryan khalil starts with the first team um at the beginning of the week tomorrow tuesday Mm -hmm. and we see an offensive line because the offensive line it's good with Bell, it's going to take some time. It's yeah. going to take until October. But in terms of taking that first step with Darnold and in Gase's offense, his zone, zone rushing scheme and his pass protection, I want to see Khalil and those guys up front. And, of course, the corners. we got to see the corner. we got to see somebody step up, whether it's Mallet, uh, Mallet, Campbell. we got to have somebody. No, you're absolutely right about that. And, you know, I think what's what's interesting is that Le'Veon Bell still will not partake in a preseason game. I'm not here to judge him, of course. You know, that, that's entirely his prerogative. And, you know, we've seen what's going on with the Los Angeles Rams. They hold their starters out of preseason games entirely. So, and obviously things worked out for them last season. So I'm not judging Le'Veon Bell for doing that. But I just, I just feel it is a little surprising to me that he hasn't uh, – gotten some of the rust off and entered a preseason game at this point and i believe that trend's going to continue on saturday night so jets also by the way in terms of injury news they did avoid a major catastrophe in brian winters the right guard went in for tests last week and there was no catastrophic injury no major injury determined so the jets dodge a bit of a bullet there tom compton like we said filled in pretty well for him during during the thursday game and 
We look at some more groups that I think could uh, really stand out. Uh, once again, the running back battle continues to go at it. It's a solid battle between, you know, Elijah McGuire and Trenton Cannon. And, well, Powell actually got a beat this week, so it was good to see him back back in action. And uh, looking, to, looking forward to see more pressure on Saturday, especially because, you know, they really turned up this week. Henry Anderson, again, I believe that guy could really be the Jets' the re-signing that really pushes this team forward. He came on big last year. Of course, some some point some remembered him for uh, you know the incident he had against the uh, Buffalo Bills where he knocked down Hauschka. But you know what? He he really made a name for himself way beyond that last year, and that that trend seemed to continue on Thursday night. Getting some great pressures in there. He had the sack and I believe uh, two or three quarterback knockdowns. So something to look forward to there. And like you said, the corners are going to be look, look, uh, going to be uh, something to keep an eye on. And I'm going to keep an eye on the special teams, both the kicker and the uh, special and the returning battles in the in the desperate quests to replace Jason Myers and Andre Roberts. Anything else we should keep an eye on, Rob? Yeah, the, the Henderson or the Anderson thing is uh, I combined his first name and last name Henderson. Huh. Henry Anderson is interesting to keep an eye on because yes. he's. He's playing from the edge. Oh, he's doing can great. he can he duplicate uh, what he did last year from the edge as a speed guy? And him and Jenkins, they're the same type of rusher, power rusher, bull rusher. Not much of uh, finesse, not much by way of finesse moves. So Greg Williams is inviting anybody to step up. Polite Copeland, Luvu, and I, I've been impressed with Luvu. Um, but yeah, that in in attempting to hide and cover up the corners. You make an interesting point there. That's big time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to solve that issue entirely, but you can at least offset a little bit of the secondary issue if you, you know, if you put this pressure on the quarterback. And we'll probably see plenty of Drew Brees on on Saturday night, so something to keep an eye on. And when you have a, when you compete in the division that features so many, you know, Different talented quarterbacks. Of course, Tom Brady isn't going anywhere in New England. Josh Allen came on hot in the late stages of last last season. Miami, Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick are two totally different quarterbacks, but they can beat you if they're feeling in that on that particular Sunday. You need to get with the program. You need to get pressure on these quarterbacks, and that becomes even more crucial when you figure when you see who the quarterbacks the Jets have to face in the in the crucial in the crazy first six weeks of the season, you know, that stretch that is going to either make or break their 2019 slate because, you know, there's two mat there's two matchups with the Patriots, so that's Brady right there. They open up against Baker May- Mayfield, that's in week two, and they'll open up against Allen in week one. Those are two quarterbacks that could beat you through the air and on the ground, and you're going to have to face, you know, two NFC East teams with similar quarterbacks of that set and the Dallas Cowboys on a- and the Philadelphia Eagles. I believe those games are on October 6th is the Philadelphia game that's over at the link, and October 13th is against the Cowboys over at MetLife. And they have Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott, and those are two other guys that you really need to put some pressure on, you know, get them a little nervous a little bit, and it can really mask those inefficiencies you have in the secondary right now, Jamal Adams notwithstanding, of course. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, look for Greg Williams' packages, uh, what he does against the Saints. How does he... How does he present the defense uh, for the first time without Avery Williamson? Because that could tell a lot. You know, you know, I'm also I'm also eager to see what he does against the Saints, considering he might 
still he, he might still know some of their players down there. He's worked with Drew Brees, yeah, of course, as defensive coordinator. So I'm eager to see what he throws out there on Saturday night. Until then, we, this is the Jets All the Way podcast. For Rob Sabo, I'm Jeff Maglicetti. You can go to EliteSportsNewYork.com, follow us, on, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and keep tuning in to the Jets All the Way podcast. We really appreciate your patronage and your support, so keep up the great work, folks, and we'll keep up ours. I'm Jeff Maglicetti. He's Rob Sabo. Thanks for listening.